0: But if he walks at night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. He's reassuring these disciples. He's saying, look, this might seem like a dangerous place to go, but this is where God wants me. He says, it's less dangerous for me to go and face the people that want to stone me than it is for me to be outside of God's will. It's the safer thing. So he begins this trek to the place where he's wanted for blasphemy. He arrives and performs the incredible miracle of raising Lazarus from the dead. And at this point, all that saw him believed that Jesus had incredible powers. Some chose to follow him, and others who were in power chose to be afraid and react out of fear. Because of this miracle, the plan was hatched to kill Jesus. They had seen what he could do, and they said, we've got we to take care of him. And in verse 54, it says that he walked, uh, excuse me, that he no longer walked openly among the Jews. See, this was a huge sacrifice that he made to go there. This was a huge sacrifice that he made in the midst of his grief. And then back in the Garden of Gethsemane, we see Jesus' prayer is in the midst of looking towards a future death by crucifixion, and he says, Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. He says it three times. He prays, God, if you're willing to take this away, if we can do it another way, please. I'm begging you, but no matter what, your will be done. You see, he didn't allow himself to sit in the grief, but while still feeling it, he surrendered to God's will. He was completely resolute in his decision. The Father's will above all. Oftentimes when we face grief, we begin to feel as though we're owed something. All right, God, you took this thing from me, so you can't expect me to serve you in all these other ways. Okay. This is where my focus is. I'm hurting. This is it. Jesus doesn't allow these deep losses to paralyze him. He feels the emotions and the grief, but he perseveres. My gosh. Look at what happened after John the Baptist died. That the thought of thousands of people coming because they need something from you is terrifying to me. <laughs> right? Now, add that in that it's while you're, when you just found out about your close friend dying. And he says, he, you know, he could have gone. He could have gone away. It says that he retreated, but they followed him. He, he could have just kept going, but he didn't. Instead, he connects with the masses and heals them and provides for them. In the story of Lazarus, you know, His disciples were saying, this is dangerous. Are we sure we want to do this? He could have let the sorrow of his friend dying take him off course, but instead he persevered. See, he doesn't allow the pain and emotion of loss to prevent him from doing the right thing. He doesn't use it as an excuse. His obedience wasn't dependent on his situation. This is something that I struggle with quite a bit, if I'm, if I'm being honest. You see, I'm not a great multitasker. If you were to go to our home, yeah, Tammy's shaking her head no, it's true. If, we're, if you were to go to our home and, uh, and I'm changing Daisy's diaper, or if I'm fixing something, Tammy knows it's not even worth asking me the simplest of questions, right? I don't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're saying. I ha- I'm a one-track mind, right? Often for me, when I'm dealing with loss, it's kind of the same thing. It's very difficult for me to try to take my mind off of this one thing. My tendency is to get wrapped up in the situation. But Christ gives us the example of persevering. You see, if we can wrap our minds around the fact that this is an opportunity for God to show his power, it'll radically transform how we deal with loss. It doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. It will still hurt. But it reminds us that even these difficult losses can have value. The Lord said, He is near the brokenhearted, and the trial that you're going through is being used for the glory of God. You've seen it before, you've watched it, you've watched people go through painful situations and still show love to those around them and still love God and how much of an example of that is that to you you see you praise God for what he is doing through them and you say God if you can do that in them then you can do it in me we're shining examples of what God can do in those situations because it's very evident that it's not us but it is God. We've come to the end of ourselves, and he's doing the work. In fact, in John eleven thirty six, 36, it says, the Jews said, see how he loved them. And then, they were watching his every move. You see, even in suffering and great loss, people were watching, and Christ was aware of this. He was aware that these Jews were watching him and watching to see what he would do. says that this was for the benefit of others. What he did was for the benefit of others. Raising him from the dead, raising Lazarus from the dead wasn't for the benefit of Lazarus, and it wasn't even for the benefit of Jesus. It was so that others would see how great God is. On our own, we often find the wrong way to deal with things. But with the power of God, we not only deal with it correctly, but God is glorified because others can see that. And we have this example of Jesus persevering to look to. And this isn't a cold thing, right? It's not Jesus saying, you just got to keep going. We've seen, he hurts. He's hurting. But in the midst of that, he's able to persevere. He felt the pain deeply and emotionally and he persevered through it. So that that's kind of like the what, what he did. Now we're going to take a minute and look at the more of the how and why. You see, he did this because he remembered that there was a greater work to be done. Notice that in our story about Lazarus, Jesus allowed him to die. He didn't have to do that. In the past, he had healed people remotely. He didn't even have to go there to heal them, but he had done it remotely. And in this situation, he allowed him to die. He loved that family dearly, and they certainly had faith in him. But Jesus allowed it to happen to glorify God and to show how powerful he is. After praying in the garden, Jesus was captured and he was put on trial. He didn't defend himself, though. He could have reacted in anger, he could have had revenge. He could have walked away. He had that power. But there was more important work to be done. Jesus fed the 5,000 immediately after finding out about John the Baptist. Again, he, he talked about going to a desolate place. He could have done that, but he chose not to. He could have stayed alone and wallowed in his grief. But instead, he kept going, and it was out of love for those around him. See, this life isn't our home. And it's not important that we Christians are comfortable, but it is important that we glorify God in all we do. We're rightly hurt deeply, and we grieve deeply. But there's a flip side. You see, Jesus remembered that there was A greater work to be done. In Luke 9, this is such a hard saying. But in Luke 9, it says, To another, he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my Father. And Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. You see, we know this is not a cold thing. We know that Jesus isn't saying, don't care about people, don't care that you lost, because he grieved, he mourned deeply. But what he is saying is, even though you grieve, grieve with hope. Grieve with hope because you have something greater. We're in a battle, and this is the only shot that we get. Jesus had a full-time ministry for three years in his adult life. You can get a goldfish to last longer than three years, <laughs> right? We've been, we've been doing refuge church for four years. We've been at this longer than Jesus was. You see, our life, if you live to be 100 years old, your life is still going to be but a vapor. We only have so much time, it's finite. This is our chance, our one chance, to focus on our highest calling. See, my initial thought when preparing this third point, that there was a greater work to be done, is that we need to remember the Great Commission, right? Right? This, in, in Matthew, Jesus says to um, spread the gospel around the world, to make disciples, right? We have work to do. Well, that's true. But this can be a dangerous mindset, especially in a time of grief. You see, we can often fall into this, there are things to be done mindset. we got to keep ourselves busy. There's stuff that needs to be done. But I think that often is used as a distraction from having to grieve. And if we can maybe change it a little bit from there are things to be done to there are people to be loved. Because you see, God also says your first commandment is to love God and the second is to love your neighbor. Even in times of loss, if we can remember that we have lost this, but there are still others. There are still others to be loved. You see, he persevered after John's death. Not because he had miracles to perform, but because he loved the suffering people. He persevered after Lazarus' death. Not because he had to raise him for the dead, from the dead. It was because he loved Mary and Martha, and those around him. He went to the cross willingly, not because he had a job to do, but because he loved you and he loved me. This is why when you lose someone close to you, or a relationship, or a job, you persevere because our greatest commandment is to love God and to love our neighbors. That's why we can lose almost everything. Job lost almost everything. But he still had God. You can never lose Jesus. He not only gives you an example of persevering in the most difficult times, but our love for him and others is the reason to persevere in the most difficult times. Jesus dealt with Lazarus' sister on this topic of, of um, the too much to do mindset. Um, in, in Luke chapter 10, it says now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed, her, welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. You see, Martha was distracted with much serving, and Mary sat at Jesus' feet and listened intently. In this instance, Martha was allowing that there are things to be done mindset to replace the there is a savior to love mindset. Now we can use this example during our times of grief. I know I can. Don't get caught up in the things that we have to do and miss the people that we can love. When we remember that there are others to love, it gets us outside of ourselves. To you focus on others because you love them, and that's the example of Christ. In Hebrews 10:32, it says, But recall the former days when, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property. Since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one, therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. You joyfully accepted the plundering of your property. Man, what a crazy life that God has called us to. What a crazy life this is. He says, you are willing to lose what you have because you know there is a greater reward. You see, there's something bigger than what we can see in front of us. There's something that allows us to face loss with hope. We mourn and we grieve and we feel that pain, but we persevere because of that greater calling. Because we can know the most important thing, our relationship with God will never be lost. See, these verses say that there's a better possession and an abiding one. Maybe you came in this morning and you see these these tools that we're talking about to deal with loss and and death and and suffering and you think, I want that. I want a better possession. I, I want something more than what I have. I want the Holy Spirit that can help me persevere. I want to have a greater calling on my life. If you feel that this morning, then then you do. Jesus is calling you right now. Listen to him. Please. It's so awesome. come talk to myself, Pastor Kyle, Pastor Joe, whoever you came with this morning after service, and just, just let us know. Um, we'd love to talk with you about it. And if you're a Christian, our calling is to love God and love one another. That's what our calling is. We've been blessed with this example of Jesus and how he dealt with loss and accomplished these accomplished these goals. So let's keep that same mindset in us. Let's go out and allow ourselves to feel the pain of loss without getting paralyzed by it and persevere by loving God and loving one another. Let's pray. Lord God, we couldn't do this without you. We're so grateful for your Holy Spirit God, I pray you would strengthen us. I pray anyone who's dealing with loss and suffering, even right now, Lord, hold them up. Help them to know how much you love them. God, I pray as a church... that we would be sound in what you say and that we would allow you to work through us in the lives of those around us who are suffering. God, we love you. It's in your name that we pray.